Welcome to Hope Renewed, the podcast of PIR Ministries. Thanks for connecting to Hope Renewed, the in-depth podcast about pastoral renewal and restoration. I'm Tom Jameson, and along with co-host Sean Nemechek, we explore the issues and challenges pastors face and help cultivate a renewed hope for healthy ministry lives. Well, Sean, it happens every year, doesn't it? The holidays come. And I'm, I'm wondering, what do you least look forward to after the holidays? Boy, the ending of the holidays is kind of like a shock to the system. All of a sudden, there's no more sugary treats anywhere. People stop giving me <laughs> gifts. Uh, it's like I just get used to having this wonderful atmosphere, and then it all goes away. Kind of leaves so in the funk. Yeah, dark, yeah. dark place. Well, you know, with the holiday season uh, comes expectations uh, about how the church will mark and make use of its significance. No doubt for ministry leaders, it's a busy and pressure-packed time. And this year, of course, is especially demanding with the extra layer of complications due to the pandemic protocols. With all that's being asked of our listeners this ministry season, we thought a preemptive focus on recovering from the holidays would be our gift to you. We're delighted to welcome back fellow PIR Regional Director Dan Borg, who's sitting with us at the table as we share some experiences, observations, and insights to help our listeners bounce back well after the holidays. Dan, welcome again. Thank you. It's good to see you in, in sunny California there. We're a little jealous as it's cool in the Midwest. But Dan, if you would real briefly, just uh, by way of context, remind us of how you're currently serving in ministry beyond PIR. I uh, retired four or five years ago. And right after retirement, a friend of mine, fellow pastor asked me if, uh, if I could help him. And uh, I now serve part-time as an associate pastor in his church in our area. I live in Thousand Oaks, California. The church is in a neighboring community. I'm also very involved in our denomination regionally. So you have a picture of not only uh, what it means for you to walk through the holidays, but observing others uh, doing that. A breath of experience, many holidays from which you've had to recover, yes? Oh, many holidays, yeah. <laughs> so I, I was wondering, I thought we'd start off with maybe a little lighter question. Share, if you would, Dan, Sean, um, a holiday season horror story. Years ago, I was in a church that uh, every Christmas season and every spring, we put on some major uh, children's musicals. Um, that featured children from second grade up. And those below during the Christmas season were part of a choir. Uh, and uh, the evening of the event, uh, the, the churches was always packed full. Uh, and this one Christmas, the choir was on stage and it featured preschool, kindergarten, and I think first graders as well. And um, there's a number of children. It was led by two ladies whose children were, wow, just about perfect. The ladies were very orderly. Um, and there were, there were two brothers. Um, they were standing next to each other, which was a mistake. And uh, they were singing uh, Away in the Manger. And one bumped the other, and the other one bumped back. And they started going at it on the platform while singing Away in the Manger. Uh, one ended up having another in a headlock. And uh, the dad uh, walked to the stage, 
during the song, grabbed uh, each boy by the hand and uh, ushered them out of the room. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah, so you, you go to a Christmas program for children and a hockey game breaks out. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true Minnesotan. Yeah, I laughed, but the, um, uh, the, the, the wonderful ladies who were leading it were a bit horrified. Amazing, what, what can happen when you put kids in the limelight? Well, I'll tell you two stories. Uh, one, one's more of a serious one that I think a lot of pastors would identify with. My wife and I were going to spend Christmas Day with her, uh, her brother's family. Uh, it had been a really busy holiday season uh, for us. We'd had hardly any time to ourselves. And so we were looking forward to just having a day with family where there was nothing going on. We were just sitting down to eat, and I got a call that uh, one of my parishioners who was battling cancer was probably going to pass away that day. Mm. And so I had to jump in the car without eating a bite and drive two hours uh, to the hospital uh, to spend some time with her and pray mm. with her. Um, I stayed as long as I could, uh, but then I had to get back home to pick up my wife and son and drive them back to, to our house from her, her brother's house. And so that was another hour and a half drive beyond the two hours uh, back uh, from the hospital. And uh, it, it was just, it, the whole day was just gone mm. uh, for me and for Amy. And uh, I know so many pastors around the holidays experience more grief and loss in their congregations and and for me, that was, that was the hardest Christmas I've had in ministry. Fun story. Um, my son's probably going to kill me if I tell this story, but we'll, I'll pay the <laughs> price later. When, when he was really young, uh, Amy and I decided we weren't going to do the whole Santa Claus thing with our son. We were going to teach him the story of St. Nicholas uh, and teach him that that's where the Santa Claus came from. And so we taught him the real story of St. Nicholas. And uh, he was sitting in church one Sunday and a kid started talking about Santa Claus. And uh, Ben turns to the kid and says, Santa's dead. Just like that. <laughs> Flat. And this kid starts crying and the mom gets so mad at me. And well, long story short, we just basically said, Hey, we weren't the ones who were lying to our kids about Santa Claus, so uh, can't blame him for telling the truth, but we're sorry, and, and it, uh, it quickly became a joke around our house. Santa's dead. Oh, my. You know, you mentioned um, the way grief impacts pastors through the holidays. It, it seems like any pain is doubly heightened during mm -hmm. the holiday time. Uh, and doubly as tragic. I, I always worked so hard to make sure that, that all the, the plans were done, you know, any contingency was taken care of so that I could spend Christmas Day with my family. Uh, one time uh, I had Christmas Eve all mapped out down to the minute, everything was going to go great until uh, we woke up on Christmas Eve morning and my wife was sick and all three of my girls were sick. Oh. and had to walk through the day taking care of them as well as taking care of all the plans for the day. Uh, my, my memory of that day 
more than anything is being at the local CVS doing Christmas shopping at 12.05 a.m. Christmas morning because I hadn't taken care of all that. <laughs> uh, the, you know, the more potent memory that I have is of a Christmas morning where I'd gotten through, you know, the whole season and Christmas day was before me. Uh, I got up extra early because we had a special gift that I was wrapping for the family. And at, it was about 6.15 a.m. the phone rang. And it was the local hospital. Not anyone I knew, but I was on call apparently. I didn't realize it. Um, and uh, someone had gotten up that morning and was cooking breakfast and dropped dead on the kitchen floor. And could I come and be with the family? And as much as, you know, my my body and mind was saying, no, 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 uh, of course you go. Of course you're there. You, you need to be present. But that carries with it a lot of weight. All these experiences, even the funny ones, uh, still carry that, that extra burden of, okay, as the, the leader, as the pastor, um, I'm somehow needing to be, if not responsible for this, at least uh, present in it to provide some kind of guidance and leadership. What do, you, what do you think are the uniquely challenging or difficult aspects uh, of the holiday season for those who are in ministry leadership? Well, I, I was going to say, I think dealing with uh, tradition for me was, was one of the hardest things. Uh, people expected there's certain things we're going to do every year. And I was in a small church. We didn't always have the, the number of people to, to put everything together. Um, and trying to, to live up to the expectations of maintaining all the different traditions that had been instilled over years and decades in the church uh, really became exhausting. On the flip side of that, uh, expectations and creativity mm -hmm. can, can be hard. Uh, people expect uh, just incredible celebrations um, and you run out of ideas. If you've been at a church a long, long time, you know, Christmas is not just Christmas Eve uh, or Christmas Day, whatever your, your church uh, has a service, but it, it's Advent. And um, uh, after 15, 16 years in a, in a church, um, what do you preach on that you haven't preached mm -hmm. on before? Yeah. What creative elements do you bring that will be fresh and new? And uh, that, uh, in, I've stayed long-term in the churches I've been, and that, that is a challenge. And keeping in this tradition theme, how about changing traditions? And uh, yeah, the wear and tear that that can bring, even down to, I'm thinking of two specific examples. One is changing the color of the Advent candles on the Advent wreath. And what is the last song you're going to sing on Christmas Eve? Silent Night or Joy to the World. It, it may seem so mundane and so little, but oh, the wear and tear that can bring, not only at the time of trying to do that, but then the, the fallout. And you think, you know, well, after a year, everyone's gotten over that. Nope, they open up that gift again next Christmas to let you know. Yeah. Holidays get remembered. Yeah. Yeah, and Dan, to your, your point about creativity, you know, sometimes... Uh, you, you put all this effort into something and, and it's really creative and a lot of people respond to it really well, but there's always that one person or two people who just can't stand anything new and creative and you, you, you just get blasted for it. My father had a tradition when he was a pastor of 
preaching through the texts of Handel's Messiah that related to Christmas and then playing the music. And uh, when I brought that to my rural church, uh, I had a number of people who just loved it. It was one of their favorite things to do uh, every once in a while. But boy, there were a whole bunch of people who hated it too and, and really let me know that uh, they wanted to sing the Christmas carols and not listen to classical music in church. <laughs> you know, I think one of the things that, that we uniquely felt because we, we moved away from our extended family uh, when I took ministry call. So we were hundreds and hundreds of miles away from family and uh, celebrating the season uh, away from family was uh, always a challenge. And, and then just the energy and effort it took to manage the time and, and schedule the time if you were going to travel. You know, do you travel on Christmas Eve? Do you get someone else? And what does that mean if you get someone else? And uh, otherwise, you, you know, there were many Christmas days we traveled or do you wait until after? And, and just making those decisions and, and having to bear the weight of them creates a fatigue uh, I think, uh, of those in ministry. Yeah, we missed so many family gatherings because we had to be at church around the holidays. We would sometimes travel in early November just to get a chance to connect with family. And I remember my uncle asking me, who, who goes on vacation in November? That's a terrible decision. <laughs> well, pastors do. November and January can be great times to get away because December is so packed with everything ministry related. So what helps ministry leaders, pastors prepare for holidays in ministry? What have you found to be, be helpful to prepare? Hard work and start early, plan your schedule, begin to think through the elements that you're going to be involved with, uh, uh, preaching, uh, social elements, um, other events. How, how early do you start, would you start doing that? I don't know, Tom. I, I suppose it was different every year. Uh, I, ideally, I'd like to have a uh, rough outline in place in November. I know uh, my current church, um, we plan a year's preaching ahead of time. So the, the elements of the preaching are decided a year in advance. Mm. Uh, now that changes as we get closer, perhaps. I like to just plan things enough in advance so that crunch time is um, bearable. Sean, when would you do your uh, Advent and Christmas planning for the church? I like Dan. I like to to plan my preaching well ahead of time. I tried to work six months to a year in advance to at least have a, an idea of where I was going. But uh, for me, I started really thinking about Christmas seriously in uh, September. As soon as we got our kids' programs going for the school year. And, uh, you know, we got past that initial push, I'd start thinking about Christmas and, and uh, we'd start pushing our, uh, our Christian education board to find somebody to lead the children's program. And uh, that was one of those things. It was always put off to the last minute in a small mm. church. Uh, and it drove me nuts. And so uh, just trying to get others to think about hey, Christmas is coming up soon. We need to start thinking about that. Uh, let's start planning, at least have a general idea in mind where we're going to be going. But it would be another 
month or two before they would take that seriously. You remember, I, I um, had the privilege of having a director of worship um, on staff with me, and we would, we would actually start in June to brainstorm ideas to, to celebrate uh, if there was going to be a big program or a cantata or, or something like that, just to, to kind of pave the path for her to begin doing her work. Certainly, you know, if we're doing a cantata, you've got to rehearse that. And before you can rehearse it, you've got to recruit for it. And, and so um, we, we actually got to that point where every June we'd start talking about Christmas. And usually in August, we'd, we'd have things fairly nailed down. Uh, just to allow uh, for the space to plan these things and and then execute the preparation for them without feeling like everything was rushed in in last minute because that Mm -hmm. that for me then became a huge drain physically on me if if everything was under the crunch and under the gun Um, and and life was much sweeter (laughs) <laughs> when, when we did that kind of long range planning. You know, Tom, the, the whole idea of planning ahead really helped me to be able to maintain my, my stress level during the holidays. Mm. Um, having that stuff worked out ahead of time, the more sermons I could have outlined and prepped and things uh, just helped the whole busyness of the season come down a little bit. Uh, and that was, that was huge. And in, in going back to what Dan says, the creativity required to uh, to come at a text that you've preached, you know, 10 times over 15 years or whatever, um, you just need extra time for that. So it's really, really helpful. You know, one of the things we, we often talk about is um, the importance of maintaining margins and boundaries uh, in, in ministry life. Uh, not extending ourselves so far, nor letting situations and even people get so close that that we're being drained uh, without being replenished. Certainly so much more in the holiday season because the expectations, as we've already said, are so high. Um, so I'm wondering, Dan, how, how do you establish and maintain good margins and boundaries when there are so many expectations, um, especially during the holidays, of you as a pastor? I probably am not a real good example of that. (laughs) Which is the best example, yeah. Well, I found that life has a rhythm and ministry has a rhythm, and there are times when it's going to be exceedingly demanding, and you'll have few margins. Uh, And that's okay. That's okay for a short stretch. Um, as long as after that, there's, there's a, a time where you do have margins and do have a chance to catch up. Uh, the, the weeks before Christmas were always packed. And as something out of the ordinary happens, such as a, a crisis in someone's life, yeah, it pushed the margins. You've both indicated previously how um, someone was suffering and you went to their assistance. You, know? um, you, you can't plan for those things and you can't ignore those things. So I, what I found is, um, yeah, I'll sprint and then I'll rest. So this, this is even, I think, pushing into what our hope this podcast will provide, which is uh, recovery from the holidays, that maybe one principle is we need to be as intentional to plan after the holidays as we are for planning the holiday. One of the things I used to do is, um, well, it started from a holiday season that just burned me out. I was, I was completely fried 
after that season. And I realized I just been saying yes to way too many things. Uh, and so I clarified what are, the, what are the things that I have to say yes to uh, as a pastor uh, and as a leader of the church? What are the things that I can say no to? And, you know, I've heard it said that that leadership is disappointing people at a rate that they can absorb. Mm. Uh, and I, I learned that it's okay to let some people down during the holiday season if it means that I'm going to maintain my sanity and have more time available to help those who are grieving or are depressed during the holidays. And so I, I went to my board and said, listen, I can't do both, both the, all of this, this activity and care for the people who are hurting most in our community. Uh, which do you think is more important? And I knew ahead of time going into it, I was going to say caring for the people uh, was what's most important to me. And so I just, I basically said, I'm going to be saying some no to some things. Um, and this is why. And uh, I need you to back me up on that. And so we had some conversations around that. And pretty soon we started uh, saying no to a lot of stuff that had been tradition, had been fun stuff, but really didn't serve any major purpose in ministry. And the holiday seasons became much more manageable for the next five years, six years of ministry for me. Wow, I just, I just think that's so wise to communicate ahead of time, uh, anticipating um, both to gain the insight uh, of those uh, elders and, and other ministry leaders, but also then to gain their support um, in, in those decisions. And even as, you know, we're kind of thinking about this, extending that then beyond and saying, and when January comes, here's what I'm going to need to do because mm -hmm. of, as, as, you know, Dan has said, because of making myself so available at this time, which is okay, because that is part of the call to an extent that then maybe, and again, you can, I love the idea of working this out with others rather than just doing it and not telling anybody, uh, but working it out maybe with the church board and saying, you know what, for January, I'm going to go to a four-day work week where the, the fifth day or however you measure your days, you know, one day a week is just going to be for me uh, not to be available. Certainly recovering, renewing, praying, doing the work of ministry, but not being available so that, that I can be refreshed. And just an idea of how to recover. Yeah, what I did to recover, uh, well, I've talked about, you know, I went through a major burnout uh, about 12 years into ministry. Part of my recovery from that burnout was establishing some rhythms in, in, in my life. I had uh, daily rhythms of prayer, weekly rhythms of Sabbath rest, once a month, I would take a day just for prayer. But the big one that really uh, helped me around the holidays was taking a week, a whole week, early in January for prayer and study and planning. And I would tell my board, this is not vacation, but I'm going to be unavailable for this week because I need to be present to the Lord and his leading for, in my life for the church over the next year. And I would do it again in June so that twice a year I'm taking a break away from the church to just be with the Lord and seek his face for, for leadership. 
that made a huge difference in recovering mm. from the holidays. Wow. One of the thoughts that I had uh, also about preparing for the holidays is, is this whole sense of understanding ourselves, being self-aware as, as we walk through um, that time. I, I wonder, can you speak to the importance of understanding what's going on in ourselves as we're going through the holidays? For me, I already mentioned it, but uh, I know I can sprint, but I can't sprint forever. So holidays were always a sprint. And I was really okay with that. I enjoyed it. And uh, also I have to work to keep fam my family in mind. Uh, I, I say this a number of times to, to people when we're talking about ministry and its demands. Uh, your church will have many pastors over the course of its history. Your children will have one father and your wife one husband. Keep that in balance. So uh, I would put out, I put out for my family, I put out for the church, and that was okay. I knew that was okay. I'm wired that way. I can do that. I can sprint. But then I uh, need a time of not sprint. And again, that, that pattern, that rhythm is so important, not just with ministry, but like you, you brought in the family, which I think is a, a huge piece of this for those who are married and have children um, in the ministry. You know, we talk about okay, as pastor, I'll, I'll make myself extra available during this time, uh, knowing that I can then recoup. But um, we, we used to have family discussions about this. And, and actually, we, we talked about being called to the ministry as a family. And so the demands of ministry involved our family. And learning to give permission as a family, okay, uh, in my case, dad's going to be extra busy during this time of year, but then afterward, we're going to take some extra effort for family. And I didn't always do this well, uh, but to, to be more available to my family. Uh, and like you said, Sean, you know, to take a vacation in, in January or November time, that's not the height of, of vacation season, but to, to remember that it's not just me that needs to recover but my, my family needs to recover from the holidays as well, because it's been stretching and demanding on them. Certainly for, for Cindy, you know, when, when I'm just not there and there's so much holiday things going on, you know, the kids are doing programs or uh, writing Christmas cards, all, all kinds of things like that. Uh, so remembering our families need to recover as well. Yeah, Tom, when I was uh, a kid, my, you know, my dad was a pastor and uh, I would hate the Christmas season uh, from, from Thanksgiving through New Year. I, I absolutely hated that because pastor's family was recruited to help out in so many different ways. I mean, we would be the ones uh, taking down the, the Christmas decorations after Christmas was done. Or uh, my dad often didn't want to ask people to help him. Uh, with the Christmas Eve service. And so I was, when I was old enough, was recruited to run sound because it's okay to ask me, I'm the pastor's kid, <laughs> but you don't want to ask somebody else. Um, and I remember bringing that, that kind of grumpiness around the holidays mm -hmm. into ministry with me and having to, to just check myself and recognize from Thanksgiving through New Year, this is going to be the hardest time of the year for me. I know a lot of pastors love that time of year. I did not. And uh, for, for me, it just meant checking my attitude and my heart on a more regular basis. 
Yeah, that's a big self-awareness piece of, of, because there can be other things too, just like anyone else, holidays heighten the sense of grief if there's been loss in our lives. Uh, we're missing people, we're, we're um, just more sensitive uh, at that time, and it can come out in anger, uh, grumpiness, resentment, uh, all kinds of ways. And I, I love that reminder to, to keep ourselves in check. And so I want to press into that. What are some ways to keep ourselves in check? Well, I think the way I would do it is ref is uh, start eating too many holiday snacks. Um, but that's probably the pattern <laughs> I fell into. I'm not sure that's a healthy pattern, though. Uh, no, actually, it's keeping myself in check just meant making sure that that I had some time where I could just kind of ask myself, John, how are you doing right now? Are you feeling angry? Are you feeling like people are taking advantage of you? What's, what's going on in your heart right now? And I, I wasn't always good at asking that question. Usually it came up after I did something stupid or acted out of anger that I would think, that, oh yeah, I should have been checking on myself. But over time, I learned to, to do mm -hmm. that earlier and earlier. Yeah. I think just uh, thinking through the importance of, of the moment, but what we are celebrating and, and pressing on. I never really thought of keeping myself in check. I, I enjoyed that season. Just put the pedal to the metal and would go for it. And I know everyone's different, but for me, it was, it was always uh, it was a joy. Devotional life is important. Sometimes in ministry, everything we do is is for ministry and not for personal spiritual growth and development and feeding of our own souls. And and when you're walking through a, an intense uh, holiday season, uh, even if it's all very good, uh, you can't ignore the feeding of your own soul with God's mm -hmm. word in there. So good. You know, I was thinking uh, along those exact lines in terms of recovery, because during the Advent season, th there are so many wonderful resources that, that are available, uh, devotional resources and, and, you know, special programs and familiar scriptures that are just so easy to read for me. You know, it's like an old, an old comfy pair of pajamas that you're putting on every time you go to Luke 2 or something like that that one of the things that, that I think I, I would offer as a way to recover from the holidays is to do the Advent devotional you wanted to do and you neglected to do during Advent and revisit the season without the pressure of all the expectations uh, on you. Mm. Uh, we're allowed to do that. I don't think it, it's a, a foul to have Advent devotionals in January. I, I'd fight for that one. So what do you think are some mistakes that pastors are prone to make during the holidays? Well, like the rest of the nation, overeating and overspending. Yeah, yeah. overindulging. Yeah. yeah, I think I mentioned it earlier, overcommitting, just saying yes to too many of the wrong things mm. um, that get in the way of, of doing the most important things. Sometimes it's, it's good stuff, but... Uh, we don't want the good to prevent us from doing the best. Mm. Uh, so that, that I think is a major uh, mistake. Uh, I think sometimes pastors uh, make the mistake of trying to be too creative. We've mentioned the creativity, but honestly, how many of our sermons do people remember a year later? 
um, you could probably preach some of the same texts in similar ways for several years. And one of the great things about the Christmas season is that people want what's familiar. Um, they want they want to hear the text, the, the same text again and again. They want to revisit the stories in, in much the same way. So recognizing you don't have to put so much pressure on yourself hmm. and you can just relax into some of that, uh, that routine and tradition. And, and at this time of season, that's okay. I think one of the mistakes that we can fall into, we were talking about planning before, is only planning to the end of the year. Yes. <laughs> and finding yourself on the first day of January wondering, oh, what do I do now? Uh, and I've created a, a period of anxiety for myself by not uh, anticipating that. So again, just being wise and, and careful to, to plan past the end of the year. Uh, I know a lot of pastors will have a, um, the, the Sunday after Christmas. Uh, we, we used to do, that would be college Sunday because all the college kids were home and, and you might have them lead the service um, uh, or have, uh, you know, someone come in and, and fill the pulpit uh, just to give that breather, that space, but to be thinking proactively far beyond the end of the year. Yeah, that, that's a common mistake. Christmas is often usually well attended, high expectations, a lot of energy, and then nothing. You know, and that's uh, that's not good planning. That brings up an interesting uh, point for me. Uh, in a rural setting, Christmas was one of the lowest attended uh, Sundays of the year. The, the the two Sundays closest to Christmas, both before and after, uh, were some of the lowest attended Sundays because the people in our community went to be with family. Uh, they drove quite a distance. Uh, or they had family coming in to visit them, and then they just didn't come to church. Uh, but we had to learn that that in our community, the, the Sundays that are usually the most attended Sundays in, in the suburban and in city churches are going to be the lowest hmm. here. And so it was a chance for us to, to take a break. Uh, the Sunday after Christmas was always just a more relaxed, easygoing service. Um, not expecting a whole lot because there weren't going to be many people there. And that, that was okay. It, it, you know, one of the points I, I was thinking about in how to bounce back is to anticipate apathy mm. that uh, your, your, your CE attenders, right? Your Christmas and Easter attenders aren't going to come the week after Christmas and your once a month attenders aren't going to come the week after Christmas. I mean, everybody's operating according to their normal patterns and everything hits at Christmas Eve. And then you've got a lot of empty spots there and not to get discouraged by that. Certainly not to be satisfied with that either, but, but not to get discouraged uh, to anticipate that people are going to act according to their patterns and, and their behaviors. Um, and that's, you know, that's what ministry is all about. It's helping us to grow beyond those to, to better rhythms, better patterns in our lives. So as, as we kind of hit the heart of what we, we hope to offer in this podcast, what have you found helps you bounce back after the holidays? Maybe we can just do some bullet points on these, some practices, some things, some very 
practically oriented things that, that uh, help you to survive and recover from the holidays in ministry? Maybe some best practices. I don't know if this is a best practice, but the, this is a, the feelings that I would go through after our Christmas Eve service. Um, locking the door of the church on Christmas Eve was uh, in, in many ways a high point. We, um, we accomplished what we set out to do, um, felt good about it, and, uh, and it was over. That, that work was, was done, felt good, and then thoroughly enjoy my time with the family immediately after. But in terms of recovery in the, the following weeks, um, it was a downtime. It was a downtime in church. Uh, generally, our annual church meeting was in January. So that put some immediate pressure on us that we were not prepared for. That, that, that was hard. And I sometimes think of uh, Elijah on Mount Carmel. Everything was victory and excitement. Uh, then he spent some time in the desert where he was very much alone and felt despair. But uh, the Lord, Lord took him through some things, told him to eat and sleep and, uh, and go to a mountain and listen to the, the still small voice or gentle whisper of God. Mm. And I think those kinds of things are much needed following uh, what we spend of ourselves over the Christmas season. And I think exactly along with that is uh, the practice of being still at the beginning of the year. I mean, it's been rush, 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 push, push, push at the end of the year to, to be still and actually, um, as you mentioned, Sean, you know, to take a week, uh, but certainly to take a day or even a morning, four hours, to focus on, on giving thanks for the year to come, even before it even happens. To thank God he's already in the year and to, uh, as you were saying with Elijah, to listen Listen for that still small voice. Listen for God's new directions uh, as uh, he is meeting, you know, with you at that moment after all the Mount Carmel experiences that you, you've had. I think one of the, the good practices uh, that I tried to do, I wasn't, wasn't great at this, but I tried to go back and thank the people who, who had put out extra effort during the holiday season and just say to them, we really appreciate everything that you've done. Uh, it's funny how expressing gratitude can, can make us feel more joyful and uh, more at ease, can help release some of the stress of the season. Um, so even if I didn't do that face-to-face, -face, which I tried to do, taking a, a morning to just do that in the presence of God and ask God to bless them uh, was, was helpful for me. Hmm. I think... Um being very careful not to rush into the next thing, to, to be very intentional uh, about acknowledging, okay, ministry goes on, life goes on, uh, but uh, before I jump into this, I'm going to reflect, uh, even to celebrate uh, what the, the season has been for the times that, that the, the gospel was presented and, you know, people's um, opportunities to have that. And as you say, Sean, to do something very simple and practical, like writing thank you notes, which uh, paves the road really well for planning for next year, by the way, because mm -hmm. people are feeling appreciated and more apt to, to be involved uh, in, in those kinds of things. But it, it just helps us to avoid the temptation to just jump right back into it and to keep that pace going. It's almost like put the car in neutral, 
let the engine rev down, then get it back in gear again and move on. I would also suggest picking, uh, if you preach in a like sermon series style, um, pick sermons for the, the season between Christmas and Lent uh, that are easy to preach, uh, that don't take as much prep time. Maybe pick a book that you're really familiar with if you're working through a, uh, a text exegetically. Um, but yeah, make, make that something that you enjoy and that you can do easily because you know the Easter season is going to be coming very soon. Um, that Lent and, and Easter buildup is going to, again, require a lot of energy. Uh, so recognizing the rhythms of the seasons uh, and allowing a little bit of a downtime to recover and to, to take it a little easy. I'm not saying you're sloughing off or anything, uh, but uh, allowing yourself the time to, to recover is important. Dan, any other thoughts on, on what you've found helps you bounce back after the holidays? Yeah, one my mind's been, you know, uh, jumping around based on what you've said. It's triggered a few thoughts that the, the, the two of you have, uh, the, from the comments you've made. Um, you have to always remember who you are mm -hmm. and your role. Uh, when I announced my retirement, the first card that I got was from a young lady who grew up in the church and ended up on the East Coast. And um, I remember she started off by saying, I don't remember a single sermon you preached, but I remember who preached it. And being consistent, being the, uh, the man of God or woman of God, and whatever that means in a setting is, is vital. That the people are looking to you to be an example of how to celebrate. They're looking to you to be an example of how to grieve. They're looking to you to be an example of how to press on when you are fatigued. And, uh, and that's vital. Uh, you always, in addition to what we do, we, we have to think about who we are. Uh, doing and being are both important. And through the holidays and after the holidays, uh, we have to remember that. And with great humility. Listen, I think we began this year, 2020, um, a lot of us in churches had a, a, a message or a series titled 2020 Vision. You know, we had great plans. I <laughs> uh, guess what? It took a turn that we didn't expect. So a big dose of humility to all of us. But um, my final thought would be remember who you are always uh, and uh, represent him well. What a great word. Well, Dan, thank you for joining us today. We, we certainly hope that this is a, a hope-filled and encouraging gift to, to those who are listening, uh, but we really do appreciate you being with us. Uh, Sean, I always love being with you. Uh, great to Fun. be able to have more of a, a conversation. And as always, we invite you, our listeners, to rate and review Hope Renewed in iTunes or your favorite podcast app and to share this podcast with your friends on social media. Make it a gift to them. It's a great way to help us continue to bring hope to others. Thanks for joining us today. It's our prayer that the hope you have proclaimed so well during this season would be the same hope that nurtures and strengthens your soul. PIR Ministries partners with God and the Church in the work of pastoral renewal and restoration to cultivate new hope for healthy ministry lives. You can learn more about us at our webpage, pirministries.org, or email us at info at pirministries.org.
Thanks for joining us for Hope Renewed. And remember, the hope Christ offers will never put us to shame.